here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey guys, if you listened to the last episode, you would have heard a similar announcement up front to this one. Ollie's audacity corrupted the audio, me, and he had to re-record it. So at the end of this episode, I went all in on being super patronising, telling him to make sure he'd saved it properly, because it was a nightmare to edit back together. Well, apparently, karma is a bitch. Because my audacity chose to crash while I was trying to save. So this time it was my turn to have to re-record all my audio and edit it back in. We'd never had a problem with this before with Audacity, but now we've had it two episodes in a row. So we may be looking for a new way to try and record, but uh, maybe not. We'll we'll see how things go. Uh, Again, it was a nightmare to edit back together, um, but I've only got myself to blame this time. Um, So same disclaimers as last time. The conversation might not flow quite as well as it originally did, but hopefully it's barely even noticeable. Um, had some, uh... Also, we recorded this on Thursday, so not everything we said will make total sense, because time has passed between the recording and the release. Uh, but but anyway, thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the BritRest Roundtable. I'm Ollie Court and with me is Arn Furious. Hello. And we are the only two men in Britain who have yet to play Pokemon Go. So <laughs> instead we're going to be talking about RevPro Summer Sizzler. I, I don't even know what a Pokemon Go is. This is uh, <laughs> clearly not my thing. <laughs> you're, not, you're not a Pokemon then. I don't, I don't know what that is either. Is that an insult? It sounds like one. Um, I know what a Pikachu is. Uh, that, yeah. That's it. A Pikachu is a Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a little yellow thing with like a like a lightning bolt tail. That says <laughs> that the full extent of my Pokemon knowledge, <laughs> beginning, middle, and end. Uh, we have issued uh, catching Pikachu um, in order to <laughs> watch Red Pro Summer Sizzler from last Sunday, and now we're going to talk about it. It was a hell of a show. And lots of stuff coming out of it that's intriguing. And we're going to start off with 
first match, which was the I, I said, uh, be, for the. Before we get underway, I just like to say that everything that I was pitching in terms of like why things were happening, none of that happened. So literally, all my little <laughs> little fantasy booking spiel from last time, I don't think I've got a single thing right. The booking has been unpredictable, certainly, but it's throwing up a lot of cool matchups. So we'll see. It's intriguing to see where it goes next. Um, the first match was the British Tag Team Championship on the line in a four-way uh, between uh, Johnny Storm and Jody Fleisch, uh, McCluskey and Bruce, everyone's favorite tag team, uh, the Legion of Lords, Gideon Gray and Rishi Ghosh, and the champions, Charlie Garrett and Joel Redman. And this was a pretty exciting way to start off the show, actually. It, it seems like their tag division all of a sudden has life in it. Because we've, we've been complaining mm. about the revolutionists and the, the state of the tag division for the, for like a year. And as soon as they switch the belts, it's like... Um, uh, did you see the live at the cockpit uh, they put up on uh, Rev Pro On Demand? I uh, haven't seen it yet, no. Num- number eight, it is. Um, on that show, uh, they had Redman and Garrett uh, wrestling against... Um, uh, uh, McCluskey and uh, Bruce, who I assumed was like being dubbed as a McCluskey brother because the way they introduced him was like John McCluskey and Bruce, Bruce and John. Uh, so I thought, yeah, but no, he's just Bruce. Um, or the Bruce, as he sometimes goes by. <laughs> but it was them in a tag team against each other. So they, it was just those two. It's a really good match. It's probably my like my favorite McCluskey match. Mm. Like ever. McCluskey's a lot better in the tag team than he is. Oh yeah, teams. yeah. Oh no doubt about it. And that, uh, like in this four way, it kind of covered over anybody's. Uh, everyone in the match that had like a weak point, it was all covered up. Yeah. It was uh, it was very well booked in that respect. Like there, there was never a point where I, I turned around and thought, yeah, that guy's kind of exposed out there. This is the kind of match they should have put the revolutionists in to cover up for the fact that James Castle was a little bit green. Like a year ago, they should have been doing these kind of matches. So I find it weird that they've switched the belts and now they've they've switched the booking style in the tag division, <laughs> and it's just way better. Yeah, I thought this really suited like the Legion of Lords, especially like they got in their oh, yeah, shtick no, no. and looked really good doing it. Like they they're fluid in their shtick and maybe less so in the wrestling. But here it was all it was well, all it, the gimmick, and it, it worked like really they could, well. They could kind of kick back and watch. Yeah, um, so like when <laughs> when, when they were. When the other guys were kind of throwing spots out there, they'd be just kind of, you know, in the corner going, what are they doing? <laughs> Stop mucking around and try and win the match. Um, one of the crowd uh, shouted at Gideon saying, uh, what's he doing, Gideon, when somebody else was doing like a complicated move? And Gideon just turns around and goes, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a uh, <laughs> good character work. And I especially like the... Um, uh, before the match, like Gideon basically calls his shot, saying like, uh, uh, "We're going to win the match. We're, we're going to uh, use my cane. Uh, we're going to hit you in the head with it." And then when the pinfall goes right down, the cane will be nowhere to be seen. <laughs> and he's doing this whole spiel. I'm like, I'm, I'm looking forward to what they're going to do with that. And the way it played out was um, like Gideon hits. Uh, I want to say Charlie Garrett. I really can't remember. Yeah, uh, I think it's. Garrett. Hits him with the cane, uh, passes the cane to Rishi, and you see Rishi Yosh absolutely like legging it up the ramp as fast as his little legs are carrying. <laughs> <laughs> and, He's uh, great at the comedy run. Oh, it's perfect. Perfect run to the back. And then, of course, you know, Garrett kicks out and Gideon loses, but then 
<laughs> and, and he's got no backup because Rishi's running to the back uh, to hide the game. And then he, he came out just as a pinfall counter and uh, uh, like cried about it afterwards, which I thought was a nice touch. It was a good balance of everything. You had like the nostalgia with Jody and Johnny. Uh, you had the, the the crowd being drawn into everything. Uh, you had the big spots from the tag champs, and I thought, uh, what they call themselves, Bruce and and McCluskey are calling themselves something. And I can't remember what it is. The British, British Young British. Bloods, I think. Yeah, not a particularly good idea. I don't think. Um, <laughs> uh, they actually called themselves the uh, the Moonsault King as they came out. Uh, McCluskey. And I thought they were going with the Moonsault Kings as a tag team name, which I'd be okay with. Uh, but yeah, they, they Those brought... two almost came out like they were faces, and then when they and got then... no reaction, immediately yeah, resulted yeah, yeah. becoming heels. <laughs> yeah, I think that was really well done, because that's the kind of act that they've got, is that they think they're baby faces, <laughs> but the crowd don't. Mm. Which, But that's how it's supposed to be. So I think that's really well executed. And then you had you had a, a load of heat as well from the the Legion of Lords. It was a really well done match. The only bad bit of the match was when uh, Flash and Storm and McCluskey and Bruce brawled to the back, Roddy Piper style. Yeah. Um, and then just never came back out again. Like, couldn't it would wouldn't have killed you to book this as an elimination match? I think. Yeah, that was a fair point. Um, it did kind of set up the finish, but then. I I kind of compensated for that by the, by the fact that I laughed so much at Rishi running to the back. <laughs> that kind of compensated me for the for it not making sense. So this match definitely uh, over delivered on expectations, considering like it wasn't a particularly hyped match going in, but it definitely got the show off to a hot start. I think. Yeah, and I'll certainly uh, I, I'm all in on um, Redman and uh, Charlie Garrett as tag champs. I think they've they've got some real potential there to to have a good run. Um, yeah. I, I'll be interested to see who comes in as challengers because they do tend to rotate people and if they're doing global wars later in the year then you're looking at another team potentially <laughs> to, to come in and challenge it should be a good match it's definitely something to look forward to next up uh, was probably the match I was most hyped for uh, Tomohiro Ishii coming in to face Josh Bodum and this match, it was Ishii formula, but Ishii has the best formula in the world, and I absolutely ate it up. A really satisfying match to watch. But Ishii is like he's my favourite guy, like there in the business. Uh, I really would put him at number one. Uh, when we were having that conversation in the pub uh, afterwards, I can't remember who it was like. Uh, was it Mark? Just turned around and said, "Oh, my favorite wrestlers are." And then you, you turned around to me and said, "Like, well, I don't really, I just even know who my favorite wrestlers are." Uh, but I would, I would definitely go Ishii at the moment. He's my favorite. Um, mm. I, I think what he did in this match was was perfectly fine. Um, I think Bodum should have cheated more. He cheated a little bit, but he, he didn't cheat enough for me. I don't think he healed it up enough as well. I think he got a little bit carried away with bit, the fact that he was in there with Ishii. Yeah. Like he came in thinking, I have to wrestle Ishii's match. I have to do this. I have to do that. And like he tried to live up to to Ishii's expectations, you know. And he, he tried to leather him with strikes. And some of the time it worked. Some of the time it didn't. What I'd have loved to have seen from him was a bit more old school healdom. So like when he's really wound Ishii up, like the time he slapped him and Ishii just stares a hole with him, like you're gonna die now. If he'd have um, just suddenly realised what he'd done and gone and hidden in the ropes and got the referee to, to kind of <laughs> break it up and then just kind of made us wait just that little bit longer for him to get leathered. I think that would have drawn a lot of heat. 
Whereas the match as it was, he just tried to go toe-to-toe and got beaten. Uh, that's not really a heel performance for me from, from, from Josh Bowden, who has been an excellent heel over the past couple of years. So it surprised me that he didn't use some of the uh, the crutches that were available to him as a bad guy. It reminded me a lot of uh, Ishii's match with Yujiro Takahashi in uh, oh. Sumo Hall from a couple of years ago, which was That's a legitimate four-and-a-half-star match in Yujiro's best match ever, forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they did the same spot there where, like, um, Bodum with ref- referee's back turned, like, low-blowed Ishii and almost got the roll-up. Uh, so it almost felt like Bodum was filling in for Yujiro, but he, he's much better than Yujiro, I think. And he did the stuff where he was, like, kicking Ishii around and, like, toying with him, and then Ishii slaps a mat, gets back up, screaming his, screams mm. in his face, like, proper good stuff to, like, get you behind Ishii. Ishii, he does a thing where he, like, gets his arms together and, like, I, almost like he's milking a cow <laughs> is the only uh, action I can, like, compare it to. But, like, he screams when he does that, and, like, that just wants makes you want to get behind him. He's such a fantastic babyface. I, I certainly think his perform like Ishii's performance, I thought was a lot better than the performance against Damo. I thought he was a lot better here against Bodum. Yeah. I, I think Bodum's performance needed to come up a little bit. Um, in terms of being the heel in the match, I think that's where because uh, it's basically in Japan they always go like toe to toe regardless of who it is. They don't have that as an option, and I think Josh he was trying to wrestle the Japanese match instead of using mm. everything that was available to him. I mean, in Japan, it's all about honour. So if you're in a like a fist fight with somebody, you don't back down, even if you know you're going to lose. Whereas Josh always has the option of going, no, I'm a coward. I'm just going to hide in the ropes here for a minute and just kind of, <laughs> you know, let him uh, let him move away. I know I've been very critical of uh, the likes of Jörn Simmons for doing this, but the way that Jörn does it is he does it forever. I'm just saying, like, in this match, at the point where he realised he'd gone too far, he could have hidden in the ropes. And yeah, a spot or two would have been him. okay. Yeah, not not like the whole way through, but um, just to, to emphasise the fact that he realised what he'd got himself into and couldn't get out of at that point. That, that would the closing stretch though was uh, pretty hyper. Like, oh, I think may, maybe that wouldn't have been as effective if you knew that like Ishii was superior to Bodum. So maybe the lack of heel stuff helped the finish, actually, because Bodum felt like a proper threat. And, like, because Ishii lost to Damo last year, I thought, oh, maybe they'll put Bodum over here well, again. They just, they just and put Ishii him over here, right? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really he, he used the rolling elbow as well, and that looked better than when he yeah. used it against Hero. So. Yeah, it was way better. <laughs> way better than against Hero. Connected absolutely perfectly on it. I, he must have been practicing. So if he probably looked back <laughs> at that, that Hero match and went, like, damn, I didn't land it, and for this one, yeah, he absolutely nailed it. Yeah, yeah it, it was a very good performance. I'm just saying that, like, uh, I, I don't feel like the crowd were as invested in it as they should have been, and I think it was because they didn't have that 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 heel face dynamic quite right. Uh, Ishii played the face perfect, but I thought Bodum could have done more to be the heel, not to a degree where he'd have ruined the match, but to make it more heated. Yeah, that's a fair enough criticism, I would say. But still, tremendous match. Great seeing Ishii. Yeah, I, I enjoyed and it as a, like a standalone match. It was fine. Bodum loses nothing in losing her. So 
Ishii was, was the right guy to go over, especially since he lost last time. Hopefully he'll be back at some point. That would be... Uh, oh, be yeah. Nice. Well, hope maybe this year, which we'll talk about uh, after we've been through the Summer Sizzler. Yes, later. What's going to happen <laughs> next? <laughs> um, match number three, we had TNA star Moose versus Shaw Samuels. Um, well, soon to be What Culture Pro Wrestling star Moose <laughs> <laughs> as well. He's, he, he's working all the right trendy places. <laughs> That sounded like a criticism. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, Shara... if you take it on face value, it was a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm not. <laughs> um, yeah, this match, uh, I had very little expectations for because I'm so used to seeing Shah work heel and do the extreme version of what I was just talking about uh, with Josh Bowden, where he, he will just cheat and cheat and cheat and cheat and cheat to mm. the point where I don't care anymore. Um, but in this match, he kind of left enough open where uh, Moose could get his stuff in. And I thought Moose did really well in just kind of picking his spots. I thought he timed everything quite well in this as, as a baby face. Yeah, I, I thought Moose bought, he bought some good stuff here. His drop kick is obviously amazing. Like, I've he... heard people say that, oh, it's overrated, it's just because he's big. No, he has a fucking amazing drop kick. I can't and believe like, how it look- high he got. On the it one looks the- like it makes so much impact as well. Yeah, he he literally just like shoves his foot into <laughs> Charles Samuel's face. Like he gets up really high, and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be like a, one of these Lance Storm little off the off the chest or yeah. something. No, it's straight in the face. Puts his foot clean <laughs> in the face. And the one off the uh, off the top rope. Uh, this is the spot that we were still talking about. This the next day. <laughs> like Ian was still freaking out. Um, Ian from from Scotland, Ian, uh, who's been on the podcast before, he was sat like, um, uh, was he right behind you? Oh uh, yeah, he was somewhere near you. Um, but I was kind of behind him, and like he was like like legitimately freaked out by um by Shah Samuels tumbling off the top on that that uh, drop kick, and Rob was over the other side. And he was saying that, uh, like, Shah, as he was coming off the top, reached for the rope to kind of slow his fall, missed it, and just splat at ringside. And from our point of view, we couldn't see where he was landing. It looked absolutely no. horrific. <laughs> to the point where I thought I, I don't remember it, it over. too much, but other reports have said, yeah, it looked bad. <laughs> but luckily he emerged unscathed and, like, was up. Like flinging moose over his shoulder five seconds later. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It was, it was a close <laughs> Clearly, one. it looked worse than it was. I um, I was sat next to a little uh, child. I must have been about like seven, eight years old um, during this match. It wasn't Alan's nephew. Um, and this this kid sat next to me, so I'm like, ah, I can't swear now for like the whole show. And as soon as that that drop kick landed and Shah fell off the top, I was like, oh shit! <laughs> and I was like, oh, mm-mm, sorry. This is the problem. I They shouldn't let children into these things. Program, that's, yeah, it's perfect. I should only be allowed in shows where I'm allowed to swear. <laughs> um, I thought Shah did a pretty good job of anchoring this match. Um, I said that for this match to be any good, like Samuels would have to put in a really good performance because Moose, while very impressive, still is kind of green. Um, yeah, so Shah was definitely the veteran in this and carried it pretty well. Yeah, it, it was solid. I wasn't expecting solid, to be honest with you. 
Like when we were previewing yeah, like, this, I was looking at it thinking, oh, I don't really want a lot out of this. <laughs> the, the first few minutes were a bit dull, but it picked up towards the end, definitely. Yeah, it was, it was a fine match, which is not what I was expecting, mm-hmm. so um, good, good work. And Moose, Moose left an impression, certainly. Oh, God, Moose got over. Um, the dueling, <laughs> Annoyingly over. <laughs> the the dueling uh, strikes where it was like uh, Moose and East, that, that was crazy. That was uh, like legitimately like some of the loudest uh, reactions mm-hmm. of the entire night. Okay, so now Rob is here. He's arrived from uh, the uh, hellhole that is the M1. Belatedly, but yes. So, uh, unfortunately, Rob, you've missed the first three matches. Uh, anything to add that we possibly haven't mentioned? Uh, well, first up, tag team match. Pretty much nothing match. Went way too long, like 20 minutes for a match no one really cared about. <laughs> we, we were putting that over. Well, it over-delivered on expectations, but it wasn't exactly good. What was next? Uh, Bodomishi. Yeah, that was really good. Um, Bodum's best match ever. Took a little while to get going, but once it did, um, yeah, great stuff. Uh, really enjoyed the story of um, Bodum being the cocky dude bro that he is, thinking he could go toe-to-toe with Ishii, and then losing, because he was in there against Ishii, and he can't go toe-to-toe with Ishii. Um, yeah, I really like that. <laughs> Third was Shah and Moose. So we, we talked about Shah's ridiculous uh, death bump off the top. Yeah, that was nasty. Um see him like grabbing for the rope and completely missing it. Um as as for the match itself, I thought it over delivered, similarly to the opener. Nothing special, but good. And I wasn't necessarily expecting good. Um mm-hmm. I thought Shah outshined Moose. Um which what I wasn't necessarily expecting. Some of the stuff Moose did, like kicking out of a pedigree at one for no reason. And uh, randomly no-selling a superplex, that was, well, that was rubbish, to be honest. Um, needlessly thrown in there. Uh, um, well, you know exactly what that is. <laughs> it's the, I'm not going to work for Triple H, I'm going to TNA kick out. Yeah, well, it doesn't stop me being shit, though, does it? It's pretty juvenile, but let's face it, these are wrestlers. Uh, but yeah, I thought Charlotte good here. Bestie's looked in quite a while, which, you know, low bar, but still. Um, and, and set him up nicely to re-establish him as a singles worker. Okay, so um, uh, after that we've got um, the big uh, main event of the first half. The um, uh, British Cruiserweight Championship match pitting uh, champion Pete Dunne against challenger Will Ospreay. Um, th- this was a really good match, wasn't it? I I think it's probably the best match on the show. Um, yeah, I'd say so. Um, there, there are one or two bits where it gets perhaps a little too flippity, um, a little too choreographed, perhaps. Um, and if you are someone who generally doesn't like Will's style because it's too choreographed, you're going to hate this. But um, I thought Pete Dunne looked tremendous here. Um, for all the flips Will did, you'd get like Pete doing one forearm uh, and knocking him down Looks so crisp, so vicious. Yeah, it's yeah. proved Pete Dunne is like top tier now, and he's ready to be in Bowler and be recognised as one of Britain's best. And like, like you say, he was probably better than Osprey here. Emo Osprey was really good. Like Dunne delivered and made this match even better than just another Osprey match, which is always really good. 
I, I was impressed that Osprey managed to bust out a sequence that I've never seen before. He seems to manage to do that on a, a frightening, um, consistent <laughs> manner. Um, but he, I can't even remember the sequence of it, but it was basically a series of flips, and basically Pete Dunne was rolling out of the way of the pinfalls, and he just kept flipping until he hit him. But I haven't seen the um, the on-demand, so I, I really can't remember the details of it. I just remember sitting there going like, oh, 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 <laughs> yes. Um, there was a shooting star press and a um, phoenix splash in there somewhere. Um, yeah, I can't remember the whole whole sequence. But yeah, that 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 sequence, I loved it. Um, but if you are one of the people who hates these overly choreographed matches, that's going to be a nightmare for you. The thing is, it, it wasn't though, because like he was going for these ridiculous moves. Pete Dunn was seeing them all coming and moving him out, moving out of the way, so he wasn't hit. And then eventually Osprey did something like that he wasn't expecting, and he got caught. So I, I thought it was really well done. It was like the uh, the the brains of Pete Dunn against the uh, the, the flippitiness of, of William Osprey. And we found out nothing can overcome the the sheer magnitude of flips of yeah, young Will. It's flips with a, with a Z. <laughs> Probably two Zs. Yeah, he had no chance. It almost kind of feels boring to say that Osprey was really good again. <laughs> <laughs> He's too good, isn't he? He makes it look too easy. Who was it who was really upset that he made it look too easy? Because we, we spoke to a lot of people that weekend, but somebody was going, oh, he makes it look too It was uh, Senor Lariato. When we were talking to him at ringside, he goes, he makes it look too easy, the bastard. <laughs> Beautiful stuff. Yeah, I think we'll look back on this and be like, oh, this might have been Pete Dunne's breakout match in terms of being like an elite indie guy. Because he's never really had that great match yeah, to define I think he's, him. He's kind of bubbling under and has been for a long time, uh, probably about a year. He's, he's been just just ready to to hit that next level. But this was like easily a four star match. Mm. Well, maybe not on Rob's scale, but uh, <laughs> on yeah, three and three quarters. <laughs> that is pretty high, to be fair for you. Three and three quarters. So um, yeah, but the thing that surprised me was he uh, Osprey won. Um, I kind of pitched that before the show, but with other uh, things in mind, like uh, the uncertainty of the of the heavyweight championship. But none of that came to pass, so it's kind of it's kind of weird that they switched uh, switched the belt to Will. Well, you you've got um, yeah, you've got Will uh, main eventing the the Uprising show, which is well, that's only a month away now. Um, so do you want him going into that big main event with a loss? He's, he's going to be representing Cruiserweight Wrestling. Indeed. So he is Cruiserweight champ. And then also we had that uh, that speech afterwards, which wouldn't have worked as well. If he'd lost. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. I'll be interested to see um, where they go with Pete from here, because it, it almost felt like it wasn't necessarily the right time for him to lose the belt here, more than it was the right time for Osprey to win it. Um, but but I hope they they keep Pete in a big mm. featured spot because um, he deserves it, um, especially with this performance. Um, who's he going up against? Uh, Uprising? They've announced that match, haven't they? Uh, Ricochet. Ah yes, Ricochet. Yeah, well that's that's a great start, isn't it? Um, big match for him. Uh, similar. I I could see him and Damien coming uh, coming up for the tag straps on a show. Seeing as they work in the tag division, it, it'd be something for him to do just to. You know, kill time until they're ready for uh, for looking at the big chance. You can use you can use that rib, bro. 
Yeah, he's, he's had a six six month run with the with the belt. That's a pretty solid run. He's had a good uh, good few title defenses on there and looked looked solid as champion. Post match, uh, wherever Osprey goes in two thousand sixteen, uh, controversy follows, and we have a fair few things to break down. Um, from one, his post match promo, which was very rambly, and some Ooh. people are saying like he showed immaturity there. He uh, is immature. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what do what do does anyone have any strong opinions on the the post match promo and just how rambling it was? Um. Well, my biggest takeaway from this um, was I really thought that Will's improved his delivery on the promos. Um, I think this was a really good example of that, even if I didn't like the content, because uh, I was never really going to like the content because. Um, you know, it's he's talking about a match that I don't care about in the Vader match. Um, and then also calling out fans, obviously. <laughs> that could be avoided. But uh, it, it's clear he's made strides um, and big improvements on an area that he was traditionally bad at in promo delivery. Uh, now he just needs to nail the content, uh, which has been very lacking recently. But um, yeah, it really, with that crowd, he can kind of do no wrong. I I, uh, I cheered him on to boost his confidence. It, you can see he was really trying hard with that. It's like the, the content wasn't quite right, but it'll come. Uh, he's improved a lot. He's getting really confident on the stick, and um, I I I quite enjoyed the promo, even though um, what he was saying was possibly not right. Although that uh, that guy in the crowd that he that he cut the promo on, uh, whose name I believe is Daniel. He fucking deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this guy always goes around and, like, throws the middle fingers up at Osprey and, like, fans who cheer Osprey and, like, cut Osprey's picture out of, like, flyers near him. Uh, so I'm <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with Arn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a real dick. Um, you know, just doing stuff like publicly wishing injuries on him and stuff. I mean, like, you can not like a guy, but that's crossing the line a bit. Um, wishing someone to get hurt, lose their livelihood. Um, and obviously it would be better, and, uh, hopefully this will be yeah. something Osprey learns with time, um, to just, you know, ignore that and be able to blot it out. But, uh, obviously that's easier said than done. If someone's wishing injuries on you, I'm, I'm sure it's, uh, I'm sure it's, uh, the, the, very tempting to fire back. Yeah. Well, he, he was he was in a, a in a ring with a live microphone, so you know he pretty much can say whatever <laughs> he wants. <laughs> Watching back on the VOD, um, you can see um, Andy Quilden, the the owner of RevPro, um, while Osprey is calling out this fan, uh, and he just like stood there shaking his head, going, "Come on, man! I told you to build up the match. What are you doing? This isn't right." Uh, moving on to the fifth match of the show. Um, what was the fifth match of the show? <laughs> <laughs> Skull uh, and Bailey. <laughs> we have yeah, Marty Skull versus Mike Bailey. Uh, had it on cage match, but it wasn't up on the screen. Um, and yeah, this match I thought over delivered um, in terms of what I was expecting of it. I was expecting a good match, obviously, between these two guys, but I thought particularly down the stretch, this got really heated. Some of the stretches that uh, that Marty came up with, the one where he bent um, Bailey's fingers all the way backwards, yeah. amazing! Oh my god, <laughs> that was disgusting. Because <laughs> like I've sort really of gotten disillusioned way. with 
the whole Marty uh, clicking fingers spot because like you sort of get it by now. Like once yeah, you've it's... seen it once, you've kind of. But <laughs> Mike Bailey must have uh, like triple jointed fingers because these were going all the way back. Like, like he was touching his fingernails his... were touching the, like the yeah. back of his hand. It was. Uh, I'm trying to do it to myself <laughs> now, and like I can't even get like perpendicular. It's like the yeah. the the ah oh. sickening, sickening stuff. And he did the the finger snap thing on his toe as well, which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> uh, I'm double jointed and I can like barely get it past um, perpendicular. So uh, yeah, Bailey must be crazy flexible or have very broken fingers now. <laughs> I don't know if he's like he's dislocated his fingers at some point, so he can just kind of pop them out. And like as soon as he was booked against Skull, he's probably gone up to Marty and go, "You want to do a really fun spot with the with the fingers here." But yeah, it's absolutely sickening. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Um, the match as a whole, I I, pref- I enjoyed it a lot more live than I did um, watching back on video because uh, like you 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 notice more things I find when you're watching back on tape. And um, the biggest fault here was they spent like the the initial what. Five minutes or so working around Bailey's foot, and then it that never really went anywhere. It's disappointing. I, I did enjoy Marty's uh, mockery of um, of Bailey's uh, martial arts stuff as well. Um, but I, uh, you weren't here, Rob. But earlier on, I was talking about how I felt Bodum should have been uh, more of a heel in his match. This is the kind of thing that you could have the mockery, the level of mockery that that Skull brought there was perfect for a heel. Um, instead of like taking what what Bailey brought into the ring at face value, he's just looked at him and gone, "Fuck off, mate! <laughs> I'm not going to put up with that shit. I'm I'm uh, I'm important here. You're not." And he starts, you know, um, do, doing all manner of uh, like kung fu pose, like the karate kid uh, crane <laughs> kick one foot thing. I think he did that beautifully well. Uh, Skull at the moment is is so good as a heel. It pisses me off when people cheer for him because he's such a good heel. See, I think he's almost better as a tweener. Like, I feel like his progress run has been marred by the bullshit finishes and, like, inability to, like, make him look strong. He always has to cheat. Like, that's him in, like, total heel mode. But here in RevPro, he's kind of a tweener. Like, he's healing it up, but in kind of a lighthearted way. He's almost, he's better at that, I think, because it allows him to just wrestle and have better matches. That's Whereas true, I think yeah. when he's in full heel mode, he just becomes a WWE can't yeah, clean can't get a clean win to save his life. I, I do like Marty just being Marty, and in this match, that was that's yeah. pure skill. Um, another match of his that I've seen this week that I really liked was the Trent Seven one from uh, the Live at the Cockpit Eight taping. I know Rob wasn't as keen on it as I was because I saw him uh, tweet about it, but I thought that was a great match. I thought they did fantastic work in establishing uh, Trent Seven as like a guy uh, for for Rev Pro. I thought it came across really well. I thought it was a solid match. Uh, so if you, I enjoyed it a lot too. You know, um, I just didn't think it was the the match of the year contender. Some people were talking up, but yeah, very good introduction. Oh no, it's 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 not that high at all. But like in terms of like introducing a guy uh, to an audience, 
it did fantastic work. It made Trent Seven look like a star, like immediately. Um, when we saw him in in progress, uh, the um, the five thousand to one show, he looked good in that match with Rampage Brown. But the one against Marty Skull, he immediately looked like a star. And th- there's a big difference between those two things. Uh, I, I really hope they'll use him again, uh, Rare Prime, and I'm sure they will. Well, they're already um, they've already been using him regularly on corporate shows since that one. I think he went up against Haskins. Um, recently, but also Mustache Mountain Tag Championship Challenge. That's another one for Redman and Garrett. They're just lining up. Well, <laughs> lining up in your head at least. In my head, they're lining up. There's loads of challenges. I hope, speaking of Trent Seven, I hope they do something with him um, because amazingly, he's 34. Like he doesn't look it, but <laughs> he doesn't have that long left to really make a run. But he's he's put himself in the right places and made uh, an impact in Progress and Rev Pro. So I really hope either one of them or both of them do use him going forward. I would hope both. The reaction to him in both has been uh, terrific. And he's ready. He's primed. And he's got a tag team lined up. It's like you can use him however you want to use him. Yeah. And if it means more bookings for Tyler Bate, that's even better. (laughs) So we can probably move on to the sixth match, which was Big Damo versus Matt Seidel. And this one took a long time to get going, but down the stretch, I think it really worked. Uh, yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, I think people were starting to struggle at that point. Um, if you've never been yeah. in your call, it's just in the summertime, it's like stepping into an oven. And I was just sitting there trying to move as little as possible. And I was the sweat pouring off my forehead. <laughs> and I turn around, look up into the um, uh, up into the balcony seats, and there's uh, Alan Forel with his uh, Japanese fan gimmick, just sitting there, like <laughs> like fanning himself in the uh, up on the balcony. I need to get one of those. I think it's required for summertime. Uh, this match was really weirdly structured. Um, you'd kind of think that Damo would throw around the smaller side hour. I mean, that's what we all said in the preview that we were looking forward to. But that really never really happened. Um, if anything, Sidal dominated the match. It was really weird. Uh, he took at least 60% of the offense. And then um, it was far more technical than I was expecting as well. Um, took it to the ground a lot, which was weird. Uh, another disappointing showing for Damon. I thought it was a very good showing from Sidal, though, in terms of like uh, modifying what he did to uh, suit his opponent. Whereas... Um... Damo again. I was I was a little bit disappointed. Um, it's kind of weird. I think the best work I've seen from Damo this year is in What Culture, which is really weird. And you haven't seen it yet, but it'll be on like mm-hmm. later shows. Yeah, I thought when Damo was like chucking Sidal around and like using his weight properly, like that was when the match was at its best. It just didn't happen very much. Yeah, I think we're done with this one already. <laughs> yeah, Sidal winning um, means that he could potentially be lined up for a rematch of Osprey from their excellent match last year. Uh, I'm thinking perhaps um, this was setting up a, a potential freeway with um, Osprey and Dunn for the Cruiserweight yeah. title uh, that was set up earlier in the year. Yeah, they they teased it, didn't they, and then switched. Yeah, it was most on some of the smaller shows. Um, uh, post post match, we had um, Damo uh, 
it looked like he was going to do like a tearful goodbye almost because uh, he kind of thanked the fans and everything. Um, obviously, he's going to have at least one more match in, in Rev Pro. Um, and while he was thanking the fans, out comes uh, Shah Samuels, the uh, fat Cantona lookalike to attack him from behind. He's just a shit Danny Dyer. You'd imagine this would be setting up uh, Demo's last year call match with Rev Pro. Um, up uprising, probably. Slightly underwhelming. Uh, it'll be good for Shah. He'll, it will be good for he'll sure. get the rub. Or is that just the main event for the British Heavyweight Championship? Um, Zack Sabre Jr. defending against Katsuyori Shibata. And the crowd was hyped, to say the least, to see Shibata in I was person. Majorly hyped to see him. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not even sure how good the match was, to be honest with you. I have no idea because I sat there. Through the through that uh, demo Sidal match, sweating all over the place, <laughs> and then as soon as Shibata walked out, I was like, "Oh, it's on!" And I kind of I was watching him as he came out. I watched him when he was in the ring, and then I saw him watch Saber as Saber came out, and like the uh, the intensity of this man is just oh, it's fantastic. His presence in the ring is it's very close to the, the best I've ever seen. In person, mm-hmm. for me, his his um, the way he gets his personality across just by standing there is better, <laughs> is better than just about anyone else in the world. Yeah, He's I that get good. That. He really. Is I that noticed. Good. I noticed that he did a little bow as well, both before and after the match, yeah, which he yeah. doesn't do in Japan. So clearly, he was very happy to be here and like soaking in the appreciation of the fans, yeah, like going up to him and meeting him in on the merch section. Like, he's got this massive smile on his face. Uh, he's so happy weird. to see everyone. <laughs> I, can't remember, I, I spoke to one of you, I can't remember who it was, but um, like while I was watching him over there, I was going, like, it looks like in, uh, I think it's Terminator 2, when they teach Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator character how to smile. <laughs> it looked like that. He got this grin on his face, like, like he's forcing it. But... Um, yeah, it looked like he enjoyed himself. I'm really happy for him. Oh yeah. Also, I, after I, the match, he that. like climbed over the seats, yeah, like that was beautiful. <laughs> just walking on the seats towards the merch section, uh, which was hilarious and just something you you never thought you'd see. And then Ishii's just standing there watching him doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's pretty awesome just to see the new Japan guys, and I'm excited for when they come over again. Yeah, there's a lot of very talented guys in New Japan, but Shibata is something special. And uh, I, I've seen him many times, and I've always like really appreciated the the way that he uh, behaves when he's in the ring. But I, it didn't come across that well on tape compared to the in person. Uh, like in person, seeing him, the way that he is at all times, he struck me as like the most consummate professional wrestler I've ever seen. And that includes an awful uh- lot of people. As for the match itself, I thought this was a very good match that could have been great if it had gone a bit longer and was allowed to have like a non... I wouldn't say non-decisive finish because it was a clean finish. Uh, Sabre Jr. pinned uh, New Japan star Katsuyori Shibata clean in the ring, which was very interesting to say the least. Um, But it wasn't like, oh, Sabre completely outclassed him. He just snuck the technical pin in there. Um... I, I do think that that I means like... Shibata isn't winning G1 this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but everyone filling in their pickums 
maybe take that into account when you're considering who's winning that uh, B block. Yeah. But at some point, he's going to be a big deal for New Japan, and it was great to see him in person. It was great to see him, but the match wasn't particularly good. Oh. I thought the... Uh, no, no, I... I would disagree with that, Rob. I thought the match was solid. I would solid. disagree with that as well. Well, you're both wrong. Um, <laughs> the, it started off really well. I really liked the, the struggle towards the beginning um, to, to take an advantage. But after that, it just really meandered. Um, they transitioned well from the grappling into the striking, but after that, it just wasn't that good. Uh, it was kind of just an, a nothing meandering match until the finish, which just kind of happened. The crowd went, oh... And then it was over. Completely skippable. Oh, <laughs> I think I think it would be worth checking out. I would say that at least. This isn't a skippable match. Even if it's not. It's like a three like... and a quarter star match. <laughs> uh, Rob is really <laughs> grumpy, by the way. <laughs> it, yeah. This is traffic jam, Rob. <laughs> it was a three and a quarter star match. Like, if anyone else has had this match that weren't called Zack Sabre Jr. and Katsuyo Shibata, no one would care. That's a fair comment, but... I don't agree with it. <laughs> no, I enjoyed the. I so I enjoyed two thirds of the match. I get where you're coming from. I thought the start was very good. I thought the striking in the middle was was probably the best part of the match. Um, it could have done with having like a a big back and forth towards the end just to kind of like cement what they were going for. And I think the ending was a bit abrupt, and that kind of took away from what they'd done beforehand. But it's two thirds of a very good match. It's just. You kind of lose that final third. Yeah. I see where you're coming from, Rob, but I think you're being harsh. It was like the fourth best match in the show. Um, there were good parts, and I think overall yeah. Shibata had a fairly good performance, but overall, like it wasn't even close to being a great match. Yeah, I thought uh, the ending was a bit lacklustre, and like it lacked that final uh, exchange that really that would have put it over the top. But I yeah I thought there was a lot of energy in this match. Both guys were like being very uh physical and like really bringing their best to the situation. The crowd was really hyped up. Uh, were they though? <laughs> that's what I want to see in good pro wrestling is just lots of effort. The crowd were really really into it. I guess you could say that it was helped by the fact that you know it's two big stars um having a dream match and like if it had just been some other random people, it wouldn't have been as good. But sometimes the situation does make the match. We were talking about the uh, that NXT match earlier, the uh, yeah. Nakamura and Balor. That was assisted by the crowd. It's like a lot of what they did wasn't great, but the crowd were completely into it. So that kind of it kind of coasted by on the atmosphere where it wasn't succeeding in terms of storytelling. And I think that is the same uh, where the shortfalls came with this match with um, Sabre and Shibata. It's like where it kind of dipped down below uh, like the standard that they... Their standards are both very high, but when it kind of dipped below that, I think it got by on the atmosphere in the building. I I don't know what it comes across like on tape, but like live, it, it felt important. It felt special. Well, I really didn't get that impression live. The 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 crowd was really good for the introductions, but then they, and then right at the start of the match they were really good, but then they didn't do enough in ring to keep them fired up and into the match, and that translated a lot to tape. Uh, it it wasn't didn't come across with that part of the crowd <laughs> on tape either, and maybe part of that is the the heat in the building. Uh, everyone was kind of heat exhausted, but uh, it's hotter than hell. 
uh, I think a better match would have had the crowd more into it, and the crowd wasn't actually that into it. You get the impression from the, the intros that they're going to be really into it, and then they're just not. Uh, to be fair, that might just been in my head that I was really excited. So um, the atmosphere might have just been like my own personal atmosphere, and I was really enjoying it because of that. But yeah, I, I, I thought it was probably the um, second best match on the show after uh, Osprey and Dunn. That may not uh, line up with other people, but I, I think that's pretty close. There was a spot where Shibata did his like running kick into the corner with like he's like dragging the guy with him and then he kicks it him in the corner in the head and like when he landed that it was almost like my life flashed before my eyes to that very moment where I was watching Shibata hit a kick into the corner on Saber Junior <laughs> like that felt it felt it was a really it was a really good looking move. And just like the fact it was happening like five meters away from me was really, really awesome. <laughs> so I would say, yeah, just the moment, the energy, having Shibata there brought through this match to be really good and really memorable. And I'd say people should give it a go. Definitely not just skip skip over it out of hand. At least give it a go and <laughs> see what you think. Well, so I'd say the first two thirds of it were really strong. It's only really let down by the, by the final third. But if it had like a really like a gangbusters final third, it could have been pushing up towards yeah. match of the year, I think. <laughs> I don't know what match you were guys were watching, but I've seen five hundred better matches than that already this year. Uh but moving on from the match itself, what are your guys' general feels for for Sabre's matches that he's had since he's become uh the British champion? Um I'll let you guys launch into your thoughts first. But so far he's had matches with Styles, Elgin, uh, Demo, Angle, and now Shibata, which, you know, pretty starts the lineup of guys that he's faced. Um, has he delivered? Question mark? <laughs> I get the feeling you're about to bury him here, but uh, <laughs> I, I basically enjoyed all the matches apart from the one with Demo. Uh, the one with Demo, um, I enjoyed the storyline behind it because that was the one where Skrull kind of uh, came down and interfered in the middle. Um, I, say, I said the middle, it was like two moves before the end. Um, I didn't really like that match at all, but then uh, a lot of the demo matches I've seen recently I've not enjoyed for, for various reasons. Uh, the rest of his run, I think he's been pretty strong. Uh, I liked the AJ match more than you did uh, where he won the belt. I thought that was a really good match. Um uh, and in general, I think he's been pretty good. I don't think he's had as good a run with the belt as I thought he was going to have. Um, but that's more on the booking and the opponents that he's been given. Uh, certainly, the Shibata match should have been like a should have been a world beater, and it wasn't. And I can see where you're coming from in terms of being disappointed with that. But uh, it was, like I say, it's two thirds of a good match. Um, I thought uh, Shibata was probably his best match here. Um, so it, it's a divisive one and certainly wasn't as good as it could have been but I enjoyed it um, the angle match was what it was but it was still enjoyable and like a spectacle fight well, they kept it short um, and like for, for what Kurt Angle yeah. is nowadays that was as good as you're <laughs> going to get really that was as good as you were going to get with Angle uh, the demo was a nothing match and I haven't seen the Elgin one and the Styles match was certainly underwhelming 
So I can see what you're about to say <laughs> and kind of agree with it. Uh, uh... Shoot from the hip then, Rob. Well, first of all, you just, um, you did just say maybe it's on the opponents he's had. He's had Shibata, Elgin, Styles, and Damo. They're some of the best opponents you can have in the world. Um, but, but to, to go on to the, the point I was originally going to make, with those five guys, if you'd have laid them out before the title reign, I would have been shocked to find out that his most satisfying and his best singles match that he's had as champion has been with Kurt Angle in 2016. But really, that was the only really satisfying match out of the five that he had. Like, the Dano match was fine as a story piece, but as a match itself wasn't that good. The Elgin match started really well, and then got really excessive and kind of killed itself and wasn't that good in the end. Styles match, super underwhelming. Shibata match, super underwhelming. Strangely, it was the Kurt Angle match with the opponent who's super limited that was the one that felt the most satisfying, um, and the only one that wasn't underwhelming. Um... Crazy. Well, the, the Osprey match was this year, wasn't it? The um... Yeah, I was about to say. Oh, damn. Red Pro TV against Osprey. Well, that's completely blown my uh, argument out of the water, because that was my favourite match of the year. <laughs> <laughs> when was that match? Because uh, I've got all these title matches up here, and it's not listed. I'm not yeah. sure, it because the, early the taping rain, is weird. So I don't know if it was taped before, and then it came out after, or... I think his first appearance back was... To win the title, I don't think he. That was his first match back for like a year. So, yeah, it must have been. Ah, right. Yeah, found it. It was uh, yeah, his first match in Red Pro after winning the title. You're right. Um, I had all the the title matches listed, and then I was adding the Kurt Angle yeah. one. That was non-title, but uh, this match was non-title as well. Apparently, um, just after Osprey had lost his uh, match against Skill. Well, that's kind of completely killed my argument then, because um, yeah. I love that match, that was like four and a quarter. Um, and I rarely go four and a quarter. It's like fifth best match of the year, I think. Um, maybe I could slightly twist the, that argument into being he doesn't hasn't been performing in the big spots, but yeah. Who's he facing at, um, at Rising? It's been announced, hasn't it? Uh, Jeff Cobb. Ah, right, well, that I've got a feeling that might be another disappointing, underwhelming one. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, I like Cobb, yeah. but um, I don't know. Have either of you guys seen the uh, PW, recent PWG show where he had the match with Chris Hero? No, I don't get to see a lot of PWG on account of how be- they're like far behind they are. Because I, I think about ordering a DVD, and then it's like, yeah, but I'm going to get it in like four months, so uh, I'll just watch something else. Yeah, well, that Hero match looks so, so good. In the um, in the preview, and then when you mat- watch the match itself, it just wasn't that great. It was Cobb's really good at doing the big moves, and as long as his matches are kept short, they're generally really impressive. But when he's going for a longer match, they generally lack the flow that you want in a great match, and I feel like this could be another occasion where that happens. Um, this this booking with with Cobb, it seems completely out of left field to me. Because we were looking at like where the title situation is going, and this does nothing to to clear that up at all. 
So I, I really don't know what's going on in uh, in Andy Corden's head. I don't know if this is some kind of master plan that's going to unravel before <laughs> our very eyes uh, during Uprising and all of a sudden all will become clear. But um, I, I'm just not seeing it at the moment. I don't know what's going on. It's it's very interesting. We've kind of been thinking it's almost uh, a guarantee that that Zach's going soon for ages now. And um, it's still kind of up in the air. Will he be turning up for Global Wars? Which is, you know, we assume is going to happen around October time. Because um, you'd think that would be where he'd have a chance to drop the belt. Um Will he still be around then? Who knows, I guess. Who knows? Uh, I'm not sure if you guys mentioned before, um, because uh, obviously I wasn't there for the beginning of this episode, but um, Global Wars UK is going to be happening later this year, as as I called, a little pat, pat on myself on the back. Um, la- last year it was bundled together in a weekender with Uprising. This year Uprising is a lot earlier. So Global Wars UK is going to be taking over that spot where uh, Uprising is. We're not actually sure where the event is, um, but we presume it's going to be We All Call. Probably in about October. I think it just said coming soon. It didn't say where. Yeah, we we were actually, uh, it's when we were standing uh, talking to someone and we were looking over at someone's program and it was like, Global Wars? God damn it, Rob was right. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, getting back to our original point, uh, obviously Sabre Juniors in the Cruiserweight Classic, one of the favourites to win the whole thing. Uh, will he still be around by the time Global Wars comes around? And if not, how are they getting the title off him? Because you think it's not dropping to Jeff Cobb. Mm. Well, I, I'll go on uh, a recorded record, if that makes any sense, and say <laughs> that Dar's going to beat Sabre Junior in... Uh... Cruiserweight Classic quarterfinal. So if I'm wrong, you can shame me. If I'm right, uh, but what I'll if it's what if it's the... Ho Ho Lun? <laughs> if it's Ho Ho Lun, none of us have any hope. No Ho Ho hope at all. Um, yeah, he's been the least impressive of the eight guys we've seen so far. Yeah, I'd seen him before actually, uh, Ho Ho Lun, and I was like, they're they're really taking this guy over for like a thirty-two man tournament because like he's not very good. He was over in the UK for a bit, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw him once. I can't remember where it was, but I've, I've seen him once, and it was in a gym or something, and he wasn't very good. Might have been great there. He definitely worked great there promotions at one point. I'm excited to see Dar and Sabre Jr. in that environment, and Gallagher. You know what? I hope Jack wins. I hope he wins the whole thing. <laughs> Be some it would be out of left field, certainly. It would be, but <laughs> let's face it, my, my predictions are terrible, so uh, if I'm going to go with Gallagher, then that'll be... Uh, be I, I think Dar has the second best shot of winning the whole thing. I'd be surprised. Behind Ibushi. I know he's signed, but I would still be surprised. Yeah, I don't, don't see that at all. I think... They like they, his, his dual nationality... Uh, Signed. <laughs> he's got it all. <laughs> they hate foreign people, and he's double foreign. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking uh, that uh, Gargano might win it now, but um, yeah, we're kind of we're, we're we're off into like a, a different territory again there. So uh... right, so uh, we'll we'll loop back to Summer Sizzler and talk overall show thoughts. I've probably come across far more grumpy than I intended. 
because I did really enjoy that this show. It like it's it's a super easy watch. There's nothing actively bad. The opener's not great. Well, it's not good either, but uh, it's fine. It's an easy watch, even if it goes too long. I came across real grumpy on the main event, I'm sure, but it, I thought it was a good match, just really underwhelming. And overall, it was just such a easy watch, really fun throughout, and almost better than the show itself was how damn good like the the experience of going was because it's like a huge gathering of everyone from Eurograps Twitter. It was. It was uh, a great occasion, almost more than a great show. For, for this one, I think that was especially true. Um, I've never seen so many people uh, that... Basically, if you took a photo of the crowd, you could you could kind of superimpose Twitter handles over everyone that was in it. <laughs> I have never seen so many people, like, off Twitter in a building. Uh, like, Eurograps uh, Twitter took over your call there were there were i'd say like like 60 percent of the crowd were, were like off my timeline it it was that ridiculous i kept turning around and seeing somebody else and going like oh that's uh there's alan boone over there and oh there's there's alan uh alan 4l up in the stands there's strigger there's morton vh it's like everywhere around me though there was, there was double dans and uh ian's and uh jules there's people everywhere it was great. It was to be honest, that was that was the high point of the weekend for me. It's like it was a good uh, night of wrestling, but it was a terrific weekend of just hanging around with people who love professional wrestling. <laughs> it really was. Yeah, yeah, gathering. I, I, I would shout agree. out to it, absolutely everyone that I bumped into um, over the weekend. We, we'd give shout outs to everyone we'd seen, but there's simply too many people. Like it would take too long. Yeah, that's right. Uh, like, especially <laughs> the Saturday night crew though that turned up early. Uh, we went for uh, food at the at the diner. Um, so that'd be Strigger, uh, Morton, Jules, Ian from Scotland, and and the other guy who's into uh, heat up. I can't remember his name. I forget his actual name. But it's at Stat Okay. That's that's the guy. Yeah. Uh, nice nice fella. Really likes heat up. Really into heat up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess someone has to be. Well, he made me watch a heat up match. Like uh, like I got back and I was like, I'm gonna watch some heat up. Any good? Tamura and Watanabe, yeah, they're really good. Uh, Tamura's really strong. He's like a, he's he's like he's a tiny guy, but he's he's like they packaged dynamite and then put muscle around the outside of it. That's that's what he's like. <laughs> I'd like what I've seen of him in all Japan. Um, maybe I will have to check out some heat up. We, we had a, a lovely evening's meal on on the Saturday discussing exotic professional grappling. I, I was with my people. Come to York Hall and meet people. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the best bit. You, you you put it perfectly there. You get to be with your people, and that's like that's so rare for our level, <laughs> our level of <laughs> wrestling nerddom. It's lovely. Actually, I, I go from day to day, and like, I can't have conversations with people. I end up talking about the weather and politics and stuff because, like, uh, nobody else that I know. Uh, there's one guy at work who watches wrestling, and at the moment he's he's got the Scott Hall DVD, so like he's just doing Scott Hall impressions every day, and um, and that's nice, but it's not as expansive as like you know sitting on a table with with five other people and just talking about Japan. It's no heat up. It's not a heat up. What is? Moving on from um, Summer Sizzler, then. Um... Coming up at the end of this month, uh, I think it's July 27th, 
something around there. Uh, progress is having chapter 33. Uh, now usually we'd be talking about this next episode, but next episode we've got something special in line, um, which I'll be talking about later this episode, so we won't be doing our have a chance to preview this, so we're previewing it now. Uh, not the full cards announced, but most of it is. Most of the big stuff. I went to buy tickets for this show and then realised I was at work and I was like, I, I can't. And um, it because the, the the sale happened like the week before I got my schedule and I thought, I'm definitely working that day, I can't go. And then the schedule came out and I'm not working. But at the same time, it does drop into the middle of a ridiculous schedule that I've got in terms of mm. uh, reviews. Um. What with the G1 and the Super Jacob and all the weekly TVs and stuff that I do, it yeah, I've got about 40 shows to do in the next four weeks. It's ridiculous. And in that is a progress show and Rev Pro and then another progress show. Indeed. Um, this show being called Malice in Wonderland, which is a great title. Great title. Best title ever. Oof, that's that's quite the call. They've, they've had some very good ones. Um, Chat shit, get banged, definitely up there. But uh, Malice in Wonderland there too. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Glory follows virtue as if it were a shadow. Nah, too serious. <laughs> I, I personally, I think this is the best title they've, they've come up with, this Malice in Wonderland. It's great stuff. Um, so what's on this show? You've got uh, William Eva defending the title against Marty Skrull. In a rematch from the impromptu main event of uh, of the last chapter, which I missed because I had to get to train. This one is not particularly interesting um, because you know it's gonna be bullshitty finish because they're not gonna give either guy a clean loss. So it's just I'm waiting for them to get back to doing proper matches, you know, and not all this pantomime stuff at the end of the main event. Because they don't want to give away a clean win. Uh, Eva could lose clean, but it's... I think I'm a bit more positive on this one to you, Ollie. That's a change. I'm a bit more hopeful we could get clean finish. <laughs> it's, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> holding my breath. <laughs> and then you're grumpy. I think you. after this one, after this one it'll get better. But you just have to get through this one. And then I think the clean finishes will start up again as we lead up to Brixton. We've already talked on the previous episode uh, quite a lot about the uh, the cash in by Eva on Skull. We, we we've done that, yeah. <laughs> but um, I guess you could always go down the the arrogance road for that one. But uh, yeah, getting back to the point, uh, just because it's always been a uh, money in the bank style cash in, uh, that doesn't stop that being shit. <laughs> yeah. Money in the bank sucks. Well, they are a punk, punk rock wrestling. So. But uh, while I'm not necessarily expecting a clean match, I think I 
feel like there's, I'm thinking there's more of a chance of it than you are. And I'm looking forward to seeing Eva in the main event, chance to prove himself. I'm looking forward to see Eva in the main event. I just think the finish is going to be screwy in some way, and it's going to be unsatisfying. <laughs> the first half main events of Progress this year have been generally a lot better than the main event main events, because they haven't been finishing cleanly. For me, I generally rather see main events almost always be clean. Um, but if you are going to have screwy finishes to main events, it should be to build to a clean finish the next time and make that feel even more satisfying. But what they have been doing is having screwy main event after screwy main event, and there's never been any payoff, which uh, it, it sucked. Um, perhaps the most disappointing bit has been that because I really like Eva, and I think we all do here, uh, is that his big moment has been kind of overshadowed somewhat by by all the bullshit, and uh, hopefully he'll he'll have a chance to really go out here and impress because um, it's a big spot for him, uh, especially if it ends up being clean. Because to this point, he's kind of felt a little bit. Um, like an undeserving main eventer, and uh, he needs to go out here, have a great match, and, and show everyone that he very much belongs in the main event scene. I think he's got it in him. Yeah, it's a really big test for him. I think he has the goods to deliver a good match. I'm just, I would say there's an 80% chance that there's some sort of screwy finish. Shenanigans. And it just kill... There will be shenanigans, no doubt. And it just kind of kills my interest in the match a bit. Not that I don't like shenanigans, I just, <laughs> I'm tired of them. At, I'm tired of them at this point because I think there's only been three clean main events or clean title main events this year in progress. It's just, uh. <laughs> Like, they had three Tommy End matches, uh, two of them main events, and they both finished in a screwy way. Uh, I mean, I like booking as much as anyone, but uh, I think one of the appeals of, of BritRest is more often than not, you will get like a, a decisive finish. That's that's what Rev Pro had. They had a clean pinfall finish. That's what they had when AJ left. Is, is a clean finish. Um, like Shibata just lost clean. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you look at uh, Progress, and this year they've had a lot of uh, very screwy finishes. I don't want Progress to be all Japan or anything. I just would like some sort of feeling that there's going to be a clean finish and not a. Uh, a bullshit one. I feel like I've almost been conditioned to just, to, like, especially with Skull as champion, just for there to be silliness at the end of the show. When there's bullshit involved in every main event, then it stops having the same impact. And I think that's happened in progress. It's very much lost its impact. A, a, a big statement here would just have either go over clean. It's probably not going to happen, though. But that would be like a big statement that would completely put egg on my face if that were to happen. I think we've almost come to the conclusion uh, fairly naturally that Eva kind of needs a clean win here. Um, he can't afford to just have another, even if it's a screwy win, because he needs he needs like a, <laughs> yeah. a level of validation that he so that he'll feel like he belongs in the main event scene. Because at the moment he doesn't, uh, and that sucks. Because he should. Because he's great. Um, but a big, a big clean win over Skrull would change that. What, what boggles the mind is that they treated Eva like WWE treat their Money in the Bank winners. 
It's like uh, he didn't get any kind of traction after he won the. Got Natural pinned Rookie. by Elbat Junior. Yeah, he got he got <laughs> beaten by the Dazzler team. He got beaten clean by the, uh, Mikey Whiplash, and then he wins the title. It's like he he went from losing losing to to not even like big talents in terms of uh, progress to winning the title. It's the same as like Sheamus when when they had him like like as this mid card nobody. He even lost the night that he cashed in and won against uh, Reigns. Uh, that's what they've done basically. They've they've treated Eva badly since he won the title shot, and then just put the belt on him, which seems weird to me. Which way do you see it going on? Uh, some kind of screw job. In which direction though? I don't know. Uh, there's. There's definitely something screwy happening. Um, I kind of see it staying on either, to be honest. Uh, I think Skill's run is is kind of done, uh, but I don't know who he's going to go up against next. Keep in mind that every prediction I make, it goes wrong. Not like Ian wrong, <laughs> but like wrong. <laughs> Moving on then, um, maybe the fourth biggest match of the night, um, which is kind of shocking considering how good it could be. Uh, two of the most championist. Uh, wrestlers in progress, both former progress champions and progress tag champions are facing off. Mark Andrews versus El Ligero. Should be good. Well, that, that'll be good. Yeah. I think you're burying the lead here, though, and that would be Will Ospreay versus Mark Haskins, which is a rematch of possibly their best match ever in progress. So that is the one that I'm really hyped for, and the one that kind of sells the show is that rematch, and both of them are even better than they were last year, so that should be incredible. And that's 100% going to be clean, so... <laughs> you see, I was saving that till last. Save the best till last. But, you know, you were blowing your load earlier. Oh, okay. But I just... I was I was too hyped to talk about this one. Alright, so Legero and Andrews, two very strong workers going against each other. It's going to be a very good match. I'm not really bothered who wins, but it's going to be great. Um, but then... This this uh, this Osprey Haskins match very hyped, very very hyped. That could even go on last, to be honest. It really could, because what else is going to beat that? Well, the only problem with that is you're then uh, feeding the unworthy main eventer in either step um, or feel even more, which is not particularly what you want. But yeah, this match should be amazing. Their first encounter was really good, even if they did get a tad excessive. Both guys are even better now, and it's probably not going to be a main event, so perhaps they avoid some of the excessivity, and uh, it's great. That match is really good. 4L four, four went uh, went five stars on that. And I went four, which in many ways is about the same. <laughs> <laughs> Virtual five stars. Yeah, I thought it was very strong, very strong match. I've been begging for him to uh, put it on again, and it's happening, so it's great. This is a number one contents match, so uh, who do we think's winning? I want Haskins. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, up until recently, we, we could have said he has to win here because he really needs that big win, but he kind of got that um, on the last show. Yeah, but look at the reaction to it. This is this is how much he is loved. Um, let me take you back to 2001. Uh, WWF, as it was at the time, the invasion angle. Uh, they had Kurt Angle uh, beat Booker T uh, for the WCW title, like at uh, some kind of weird point in the middle of the angle. And um, the reasoning for that, apparently at the time, was to see whether the crowd would respond. 
to like a like a big championship win for him, and they did. Mm-hmm. And then he won the WWF title, like the big one against Steve Austin, like a month later, maybe six weeks later. That's kind of what I think they're doing here. They've kind of tested the waters with the Smash Wrestling uh, title. I'm sure Mark Haskins will go on to do good things with that, but like in terms of testing the waters with the crowd to see uh, will they respond to, to Haskins winning against like a big opponent, uh, they totally went for it. So I think Haskins wins. But um, yeah, that kind of has me questioning the, the whole Eva Skirl thing. Here's the way I'm looking at it. Um... So you've got potentially four matchups um, with the championship match and then this number one contender match. If Haskins wins, you're getting either Eva versus Haskins, which is a fresh match that I think stylistically would be really good. Uh, so I, I'd be all for that. Or you're getting Skull versus Haskins, which has kind of already been built up a little. Um, they, they had their championship match uh, what, half a year ago now. Um, Skull won, and then there was kind of a little, little bit of afters. Uh, Skull attacked him after the match, and then his wife came into the ring to, um, to, like, uh, well, basically, there's a feud there. There's an inbuilt feud. So Haskins wins, either scenario, it, it works out well. If, if Will wins, then you're either getting Osprey versus Eva, which is, a fresh match again, but I don't think stylistically would be quite as good as Haskins either, um, but still good. Or you're getting Skrull, Has- uh, Skrull Osprey, which we've seen, what, five times already this year? And while they've been good every time, it's already happened twice in progress for the title, three times if you're counting um, the end of the Thunder Bastard match. Do you want a fourth? Probably not. So I, So I think Either way that they go in the title match, Haskins is probably the better person to win this number one contenders match. Um, would the uh, event that it, the, the match that they're building to from these two matches would that be the Brixton main event or not? Because they had done it. They have a Manchester show, I think, in between. Oh, sorry, they've got two. They've got um, thirty-four and thirty-five. They've got one. Uh, yeah. One on August the fourteenth, and one uh, one on August twenty eighth, and then Brixton is the, uh, towards the end of September twenty fifth. So I, I guess nothing is set in stone yet. See, the thing is, they've kind of been hyping the um, the big Osprey in Manchester, so I wouldn't be shocked to see him get a title shot there. And if he's getting a title shot there. You'd think it would be because he won this number one contendish match. Uh, so that's kind of the only proviso I'm thinking. I think the end game is that Haskins is going to win the belt. Uh, how they get there, I don't know. I've just, just uh, got a theory in my head that's just popped up. Um, Arn, it was you that, that thought um, Haskins was scheduled to win the Super Strong Star until he was injured, right? Yes. Right, so bear with me because I'm kind of making this up as I go along. If Haskins was originally set to win the Super Strong Star of 16 tournament, but then obviously didn't because he was ill on the day, then perhaps Haskins was going to win that tournament and not cash in the big Super Strong Star cash, um, 
tournament shot until Brixton, the big show. Which would make sense. You have your big two-day tournament and the winner gets the shot at your biggest show of the year. In a kind of Royal Rumble sort of thing. However, he did get ill, so they had to go with something temporary. So they brought up first Tommy End, who won the the Super Strong Style Tournament, and they had to kind of rush that whole program, and that's why it all felt very rushed and very unsatisfying. And then they followed that up by, because they needed to store some more time, um, before they could push, put Haskins in the right position to then go on to uh, be set to main event Brixton, um, they went with Eva, um, who catches in his his uh, title shot when he's very clearly not ready, and it feels very out of the blue and very unsatisfying, because, again, they're stalling time. If Skrull then does win the title back at this show from Eva, I think this theory makes a lot of sense, because it it, it would very much be a way of just stalling Skrull while you wait for Haskins to get back to the point where he can challenge for the title like he is going to be when he beats Osprey here. Um, now that could be completely wrong, this is all conjecture, but I think it would make quite a lot of sense depending on what how things play out um, at 33. Um, I, th- I think, to be honest, I think he'd have won uh, face skill at this show the ending would have been some kind of screwy finish like it was, and they'd have, they'd have kind of uh, worked around it. Because I think that the plan was always for Eva to cash in and win at some point. Uh, I don't know if they planned that it, it, for this show, uh, the 5,000 to 1 show originally, but I'm sure they planned uh, like Eva to win, and then the end game is Brixton later. So I, I don't think... Uh, that would have changed booking immensely. Well, well, no, but I'm more going with the idea that maybe it accelerated the the Eva cash in, uh, which is why it felt so so rushed and out of the blue, really, because they had to do this to kind of stall for time while they got Haskins back into the the main event spot. Well, that that certainly makes sense. Yeah. That that certainly makes sense because they do have another couple of shows, so it, it, that might have been the case. Yeah, but I, I swear that uh, I I think Haskins was was originally scheduled to win uh, Super Strong Style. That's the only reason that uh, that makes sense to me in terms of what they've done, uh, like leading into it and since. Now moving on to the last match that's been announced. Uh, it's a match I'm really looking forward to. Uh, it's two big big men teams, two of the best big men teams in the world um, for the Progress Tag Titles, or Tag Shields. Um, the London Riots versus War Machine, Hanson and Rowe. Um, I think these two teams are going to work tremendously together. Hanson and Rowe are really, really underrated. They're a great big man team. And that they're so unover in Ring of Honor is criminal, because they're great. Um, and when given opportunities to, they have great matches. They really do. Um, and I think this is going to be one of them. Because uh, I also really enjoy the Riots. I think the Riots are a great team who, when put in con- positions to succeed, will succeed. Uh, and hopefully they will here. War Machine, one of the few big men teams that don't rely too much on crowd brawling. And that's one of the things I really, really hate about big man wrestling. 
so hopefully War Machine will keep them in the ring and it'll be amazing. Yeah. yeah, I'm kind of overlooking this match a little bit, but it has potential to really exceed my expectations, be a really good match. Um, if this match is really good, this could be like a fantastic like top five all-time progress show. Um, if it's kind of mediocre, then maybe not. But like this, combined with having a title match and the number one contender match, could be three really good matches. Um, uh, number one contender match is guaranteed to be great, but this is could be really good as well. I think the show hinges on that school either match. It's like it, the booking for that. If they do it right, this could be a great show because everything else is set up to to lead into that. If that's going to be the main, uh, if the booking doesn't work, then it won't be as good as we're thinking. But uh, on paper, it looks very strong. Progress does have a really weird. Um, habit of their best shows on paper not really delivering. <laughs> yeah, I have noticed this. Well, we were looking at a five thousand to one. We we thought the five thousand to one card was it didn't look that great, but then uh, going to it in person, it was very very strong. And like uh, I think it's one of the best shows they've done this year. Yeah, and then we've had like the anniversary show. Um, we thought that would be great, and it kind of wasn't. Yeah. yeah. But still, Osprey Haskins, you, you can't, can you? Well, we kind of said that about um, Sumerian Death Squad versus London Riots, and then, uh, yeah, the furniture happened. <laughs> furniture issues. But uh, hopefully they'll uh, break this curse of uh, good cards turning out bad. Um, with this chapter 33 show because it looks really good and I fully expect yeah, it to be great. If uh, Haskins and Osprey have a bad match, I may have to eat my hat. <laughs> I have some JR's barbecue sauce, so you know it probably won't be that bad. <laughs> it can't be. if it if it's bad, then uh, I don't even know what we'll do. <laughs> well, it'd, it'd be doomsday, wouldn't it? end of wrestling as we know it I would have to change up my uh, draft big board for the next show <laughs> <laughs> okay so the draft <laughs> do you want to sell this Rob <laughs> well that's as good a segue as we're going to get isn't it um, yeah next episode to coincide kind of with the uh, WWE draft we're going to be doing our own draft, um, but not a WWE one, because we're the Brit Rest Roundtable, and it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for us to do a WWE one, and also everyone else is doing a WWE one, so we thought we'd do something a little different. We've got two mystery guests on, uh, that's the hooks to, to make sure you listen, um, to join the three of us, and we're all going to be drafting our dream rosters of European talent from the current scene. Uh, we'll go into more details on the actual episode, but that's kind of like a, what 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 to expect for next episode, I guess. Um, you said you enjoyed the Britties, uh, so we're listening to feedback and uh, doing more things like that. Ha-ha. few other little things I wanted to get to before we finish the episode. Uh, all about streaming services, actually. Uh, three new streaming services, uh, subscription services have started up. Since the last episode, or well, actually, I think Southside was about a month ago, but I missed it and only just noticed now. But Southside on Demand has gone from an a la carte purchase per show method to a subscription service, like most WWE Network clones are. Um, 
basically it's like I think it's like six quid a month, um, and you can see all the shows that they have uploaded, which is a good deal. Um, it's cheaper than previously you could buy a single show on Southside on the Bam, so you know great value. Uh, and it really suits Southside, because Southside, in general, they rarely have a show where there's not at least one match I'm very interested in. But at the same time, they rarely have a, also rarely have a show that I'm interested in the show as a whole. Um, so, a subscription service where I can cherry-pick matches from shows, perfect for Southside. Um, definitely something I'm going to be subscribed to at least a couple of months each year, so I can pick off a few matches. Um... Fight Club Pro has also moved into the streaming game. Um, they're not actually a streaming service, or not sorry, they're not a subscription service, um, but they're going to be available on an a la carte basis. Uh, you can purchase individual shows. Um, Fight Club Pro in general, bit of a weird promotion distribution-wise. Um, very hard to get hold of shows previously, so this at least is a step in the right direction, even if it's not a subscription service, like I think we'd all want, really, because uh, that's kind of the, the way things are done these days, and uh, it's nice because it's cheaper. Who wants to be paying for an individual show in 2016? Um, but yeah, Fight Club Pro, really good promotion that kind of doesn't get enough eyes on it. Um, Ollie, I think you've been to a few of their shows? Yeah, I've been to a couple, and the atmosphere there is intense to say the least, and uh, like that's where guys like Trent Seven and Tyler Bate make their trade. Uh, so yeah, they're really good, um, and it's good to hear. I can never watch any of their entire show live, because they end at a stupidly late time, and I need to get home. So maybe start the show earlier. <laughs> And the uh, final service, uh, which isn't actually launched yet, but it's going to be launching, when WXW returned to touring, and that's WXW now. Um, now they've they've gone into this with their full um, full professionalism that WXW always brings. They're very un-indie in their professionalism. Um, they're, 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 the way they're launching this service with um, all these different levels of t and tiers of shows, they've got the marquee events, which are going to be five camera shoots, featured events, three camera shoots, um, and then their tour shows, which are all going to be um, the best match taken out of them and put onto the new show called Shotgun Plus, which is going to air an hour each week, uh, taking the very best matches from their tours, um, That's as well as their Shotgun YouTube show, rather than instead of it, which is good to hear. Um, yeah. They've also got like a, a bunch of documentaries that they're 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 going to be launching with a huge backlog, um, like over a hundred hours easily. Cause they've been going like fifteen years now and running a lot of shows. Um, yeah, basically they're they're going into this uber professional, uh, as I always like to call uh, WXW, and it sounds like they're launching this network in a more professional way than WWE were when they launched theirs, who kind of like wandered into it backwards and then kind of got the hang of doing it. WXW, uh, they're going to be firing straight from the off. Um, they're even going to be trying to bring in other promotions onto their own service from uh, the, the smaller indies in Germany, which is cool to hear because I've never watched another German show apart from a WXW show. So I'd be interested to at least uh, see what there is to offer, uh, even if I'm not going to be watching every show, which, you know, uh, I've got too much to watch anyway. Um, the, the best thing about all these subscription services is it makes it all cheaper. 
the worst bit is, where the hell are we going to find all the time to watch all this stuff? Um, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. And it's also going to make WXW cheaper to follow, um, because previously it would be like 15 euros a show, 10 euros a show. Now it's 9.99 euros per month, uh, which I'm not actually sure how much is that is uh, post Brexit. Uh, that's 150 pounds now. <laughs> uh, it all sounds good. Uh, plugs, plugs, plugs. Uh, okay. Uh, Twitter at another Ollie. Um, you can read my reviews of the last few progress shows on VoicesOfWrestling.com, and my Euro notes on F4W. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to plug someone else, um, which is uh, 3CW, the little indie version I used to follow up in Middlesbrough. They're starting to run shows again. They're starting in November. Um, they're on Twitter. I presume it's... Uh, let me just check. It's 3 Count Wrestling. Uh, the, uh, the, yeah, they're at... It would help if it loaded. Yeah, at 3 Count Wrestling, the 3 being the number 3... So, uh, yeah, go and check them out. They'll be back in, in four months, and I'll probably be there if I can get the time off work. Great. Uh, you can find me at the R Double on Twitter, T-H-E-R-D-O-U-B-L-E. Uh, you can find pretty much all of my writing over in voicesofwrestling.com. And also um, take part in the Mid-Year Match of the Year project. Uh, it's I need your star ratings. Get them to me now. Um, also, voiceofwrestling.com slash SeatGeek, voiceofwrestling.com slash Amazon, voiceofwrestling.com slash WWE Shop. Um, all of those links doesn't cost you a penny extra. We'll, we'll uh, get us a little kickback, um, and it will help us keep running the site and podcasts like you're listening to right now. Uh, all help would be appreciated. Thank you. And good night, I guess. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.